gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. What's happening everybody and welcome to this, another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson and today we are debuting a new concept here, Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. It might go well, it might not go well. If it doesn't, we're going to have some fun anyway. <laughs> today we are debuting the debating chamber. <laughs> a show concept name that confused Strack to no end meet. <laughs> like everything else in life. <laughs> So yes, this is the debut of the Baiting Chamber here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. But before we go in to give, a bit, give you a bit more of an idea of what the show is about, just a bit of housekeeping, you, some, you can subscribe to us on any good podcasting site, be it iTunes, Android, Spotify or anything else. You can find us there to search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. And we also have a website which is full of brand spanking articles, podcasts, interviews, you name it, it's there. Well, not it, name it. <laughs> but there's some stuff there. Uh, but yeah, that's what we've got at suplexretreat.com and the slick. As always. It's not, a, it's not a Wilson hosted show without that slick introduction. Uh, before we go on to the show though, let's introduce this panel who, none of them are contenders to be the father of Maria Canales' child. <laughs> Objection! <laughs> are you trying to tell us something? <laughs> What was your middle name again? I'll tell you, mate. <laughs> First up, this panelist is our own version of Brad Shepard. He has no sources, spews absolute nonsense, and responds purely to criticism. It's Ross McLeod. <laughs> yes! Thank you, Stephen. I'm surprised you're not on this show as well. No, you're a master debater, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've been saving that all week. <laughs> all week. Saving since he debuted on the show. <laughs> It was meant for the different Stephen, but he left. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, there you go. The penny drops amongst everyone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Strax Strax away being a film. Not Strax! Moving on to our next... <laughs> oh! <laughs> it's just as the penny drops one by one. <laughs> Moving on to our next panelist. Uh, whenever this guy is on the show, his grinding voice and face makes you feel like you've been screwed out of something. However much you spit on him, you feel it's just not good enough for him. Or good for him. That is David Hockney! <laughs> I thought you were going to say Campbell there, but okay. Are you trying to say about Campbell? <laughs> Nothing. I know, you know, I don't want to spit on Campbell either, but... For that particular reason. Yeah, I, honestly, I was not expecting you to refer to me there, but hey, I'll take it. Right. I just take verbal abuse anyway. Oh, I'm going to get you a joke book and you're going to come up with <laughs> back We're going to practice. Now, Jerry West, Richard Jefferson, Don Nelson, Lewis Hamilton, all these sports stars see 44 as the lucky number. I'm now reconsidering due to this guy's recent misfortune. This is, of course, Scott McLeod. Hello, Stephen. How's it going, Scott? I'm doing fine, I'm doing better after last you, week's Have you cleaned your wallet of all those 44s that you had to draw? <laughs> no, no, that will remain, remain there until the title is mine once again Ross, you need to go in there and clean that up your room Absolutely not, I'm not going in that room What do you think I went in Elise this week? Now our next panellist, if Carlsberg did a sense of over-importance 
not who just generally what we think is the, the better argument, who has argued the case better? Which is going to be, this is probably the ultimate test from us at Each Sleep Suplex Retweet of how well we can argue something. If you've listened to all our back catalogue, you will understand we will sometimes try and argue anything. <laughs> As shown in our WrestleMania's opening show, where Quacky <laughs> argued that Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus was the best opener of all time. And I was successful. I sorry, what? I'm new to this show. <laughs> Hey, okay. uh, that's a different I'll play it for you. Okay. You'll you'll like him. I'm sure. So that is essentially the concept of this show. It's gonna be two topics debated in each half. I even convinced Dave Meltzer Jr. over there that we're good. <laughs> oh great. Now, for the listeners at home, here are the six topics our panel were given beforehand. And plenty of notice, I'll let you know. Can I, can I just specify, I just found out about this last night and the last minute replacement. <laughs> <laughs> so I have had like... Excuses, excuses, I've had no preparation and you know, I was looking at the list, I'll wait until you get to it, but there's one, there's one of them I'm like, that was a weird point in time, but I hated wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get to can I not be in his team, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it. So, the six topics are, and if you're a past listen to the show, some of these will be of great amusement to you. Like number one. Jinder Mahal's WWE title run was a success! <laughs> David Hockney shakes in the corner. I'm not saying anything just yet, I'm just waiting to hear if it comes up. <laughs> the, other one, the other ones were... The Attitude Era produced terrible matches. CM Punk should have main evented WrestleMania 29. I hope Ross has to argue that for that. <laughs> the Montreal Screwjob was a luck. <laughs> that could be fun if that one yeah. comes up. Mankind vs Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, deserved a 5 star rating. Now we know we talked about Dave Meltzer quite a lot on this show mm-hmm. and how wrestling is subjective, so that could be an interesting one to debate. And the final one is, did John Cena ruin the Nexus? So that's the six topics, so again I'll repeat them quickly for the listeners at home. Jinder Mahal's WWE title run was a success. The Attitude Era produced terrible matches. CM Punk should have rain evented WrestleMania 29. The Montreal Screwjob was a luck. Mankind vs Undertaker Hell in a Cell deserved a 5 star rating and did John Cena ruin the Nexus? Now guys, it's the point we've all been waiting for for, for some of these a couple of weeks now. Yes. I have a question, Just okay. this, is, this is the thing I wanted to ask. The John Cena Nexus thing, was this that weird period in time where John Cena was like Wade Barrett's butler? Yeah, just before that. Right, okay. You can have you can have that if that one comes up. <laughs> the okay, yeah, slam, I just remember the that. The SummerSlam match, the 7 on 7. Oh, Nexus course. VW. Right, okay, yeah, I know what I'm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. So it is that time you've been waiting for, with bated breath. I have been now drawing the first topic. Alright, Pavarotti. Our first topic of debate, folks, was the one we just talked about there. Did John Cena ruin the Nexus? Show sure that was just for everybody there. Yeah. Seems fair, seems fair. That's fine, yeah. Got Rod Stewart over there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, <laughs> entering the chamber at number one, arguing for that case, David Hockney. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm arguing for it. You are arguing for, so you are, you're, you're, you said John Cena, you're arguing for John Cena ruining the Nexus. Got ya. Arguing that John Cena did not ruin the Nexus. At number two in the debating chamber, Ryan Gallagher. <laughs> this should be good. Jesus. <laughs> David, it's been a pleasure being friends with you. So before we get cracking onto the debate, I'm just going to quickly explain the topic again for the listeners at home. 
And Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> but I think it was, was it 2010? 2010, yeah. Uh, the Nexus, dark old days, as I like to call them. <laughs> the Nexus debuted on WWE TV. It was a stable made up of guys who had competed on the original NXT reality TV programme. Guys such as Wade Barrett, Ryback, and Daniel Bryan. They ran roughshod over WWE, especially John Cena. Until we got to the point we got to Survivor, no, SummerSlam, sorry, and we had that big multi-man tag match that the guys were talking about just a moment ago. And it came out that John Cena won the match by himself, essentially beat two members of the Nexus and Justin Gabriel way back. But it has revealed afterwards that there was many people backstage who advocated for John Cena not to win that match. And they went for the Nexus to win that match to get the momentum going as many people thought in the years obviously prior now that that killed the Nexus's momentum. And then, pretty much about that stage now where Bailey Lendy from that group is employed. So there's a fair argument that John Cena could have ruined that one. However, there's an argument that they could have collapsed themselves. Right, so, Dave, yeah. fine. User on first, so left in the sound. User have got eight minutes to debate this between yourselves. And then at that point, someone else will join the chamber. On you go. Dave, I'll let you go first, mate, because I predict that you'll be greeting after three. <laughs> so Challenge accepted. All right. Go. John Cena absolutely did ruin the Nexus. I mean, there was no, no question about it, because this was at a time where John Cena was WWE's golden goose. Like, he was practically invincible when it came to overcoming the odds, facing a multitude of opponents, uh, the determinant of skill, size, uh, and everything else in between. Like, he was the company's guy, as it were. And the Nexus's arrival was definitely, it definitely felt like a really big breath of fresh air because you had eight guys who weren't that experienced in WWE to begin with. And it could be argued that they had probably one of the most impactful debuts in WWE history. Like they absolutely decimated the ring. They tore apart the announce tables. They were attacking staff as well as the superstars themselves. So that whole build towards SummerSlam, it made the Nexus look incredibly strong. And WWE, Team WWE was showing signs of weakness anyway, because, you know, Jericho and Edge were sort of flip-flopping whether they were going to be in the team or not. There was a, a vacancy for a seventh member, so they were going in six to seven by the time the match started. And the Nexus comes in as a fortified front with absolutely no, no setbacks whatsoever. So for them to lose one of their guys, actually two of their guys, uh, in the first match, that was already a bit of bad booking to begin with, but it gave a glimmer of hope to WWE. It was more towards the end, you thought, right, Nexus is going to win this. Like, because John Cena by that point, he had been DDT'd onto concrete and had been hit by a multitude of finishers, including uh, Justin Gabriel's 450 splash and, you know, Wade Barrett's, you know, sort of wasteland. But for Cena to just do the whole five moves of doom comeback you know it, it became a sort of a repetitive uh behavior for all of his matches where he would always get beaten down and then have a huge resurgence towards the end it was something the fans became really sick of and it just by the time the finish sequence got to that point you think oh this is super cena he's just going to absolutely ruin them and by that point the, the nexus are just Fell on, it, fell on its arse. Dave, I'm going to let Ryan come out at this point now. I, no, I, th I think I, I don't disagree with the points that Dave made about the Nexus coming through and being a dominant force. The thing that I disagree with most is the fact that the blame gets put on Cena for ruining this, this faction. You know, we've watched wrestling for years. We know how it goes. The team comes through, the top guys 
the top guys take him down. I think if you're going to blame anybody for taking down Nexus, it's not John Cena. It's the powers that be above John Cena for booking him in that. You look at the guys who were in, in Nexus, the majority of them went on to relative nothing after that. So having John Cena involved with them <coughs> in that feud, that gave them that spotlight. You know, if, if you'd put somebody else up against them, if it wasn't John Cena, say it was another, another kind of top guy, but not Cena level, you probably find that that doesn't go anywhere, that storyline. It probably peters out the same way it did. You know, it, it has the kind of big run up to the the kind of elimination tag match. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of peters away after. So, as I said, you're, you're the guy that's got all the names there, I'm assuming. So, read through the Nexus members. Have you got them there? Did you list nope. them at all? Well, I know them off the Go for it, so Wade Barrett, yep. David Otunga, Rubbish. Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, Don't Skip Don't Sheffield, Darren Young, Michael Tarver, and Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. So, Daniel Bryan, right? That's the only name out of that that anybody would be able to go at. He went on and done something half decent in his career. So I don't think, I, I think I, it's fine saying that John Cena ruined the Nexus because everybody likes to put hate on John Cena and they like to go, oh John Cena ruins everything, he just gets pushed to the top. I don't think it's John Cena's fault. I think John Cena gets put into that but it, that, that situation. It, John Cena does what he does because he's John Cena. You know, I think it's, it's easy to put the blame on him because like I say, people just love blaming John Cena for everything bad that ever happens in wrestling. Yeah, I appreciate the fact he's a company man and all, like he's probably one of the hardest working people in the wrestling industry but there were a lot of articles floating around in, including witness statements from Edge and Chris Jericho that Cena had an influence in the decision making when it came to that SummerSlam match and they both were reported to have said to him look this is a mistake you have to let the Nexus go over for this uh, and Edge and Jericho themselves they were both eliminated by Heath Slater now that's what you call you know giving a bit of a rub to a guy who was not quite the best of the Nexus but somewhere comfortably in the middle of the group so look at the guys in that match though if you if you have them beat Cena and Cena put them over you know the names that you just mentioned there they were going to go no. the majority of them were going to go nowhere after even if Cena put them over so why would you damage somebody as high profile and high as Cena, you know, getting beat off a relative nobody's at this point. Well, the thing is, they had that pack mentality. There was so many of them that not even Super Cena would have been able to fend them off. And by that point, you know, they, they, they'd already gone through five members of the Nexus. It was down to the last two. They could have easily ended the match with Gabriel hitting the 450 and then Wade Barrett getting the pin. That would have made them look strong because it's not just the last member of the Nexus, i.e. the de facto leader, is the one, you know, picking up the win. It's the Nexus as a unit that's picking up the win. And that's how everybody sees them. It's, it's all of them as a group, not just a few. I mean, you could pick out there was a few individuals that stood out, i.e. like Wade Barrett and uh, Skip Sheffield or Ryback as he was known now. But the, the following night and stuff, Cena was just mocking them, like as if they were just, you know, back to being rookies who had just started and came through the door. He never considered them as a top threat. So the way he was cutting his promos about them, you know, with the humour and everything like that, it just it just wasn't looking at the bigger picture. It was just looking at Cena overcoming the odds on a big stage. I think at a team like the Nexus, so you know, the members in that were never going to be top guys. So Cena putting them over. Wade Barrett would have been easily a top guy. Like he was just severely underutilized. And did yeah. you see where he ended up with Cena? He literally got buried under twenty-three chairs at the TLC pay-per-view. Aye, but you know that's kind of one guy that you can pick out of that. You know, you look at also Daniel Bryan and Wade Barrett are probably the guys that you look at. 
and go, they could have went somewhere. The rest of them were never going to get pushed. So even going by what you said there, if you have down to, to Gabriel and Barrett at the end, for example, um, and Cena puts them over, the rest of the members are they're going to get forgotten about anyway because the Nexus was never going to be a stable in the wrestling one for minute, guys, one minute. for years. It's never going to be a stable in the wrestling for years to come. So maybe the guys that were that were there, maybe not. But obviously, because seven is quite a lot of people. But you, even with amongst the seven, you could pick out you know a handful to say these guys are going to go somewhere like Wade Barrett. That was going to get ruined anyway. So that in the long run. That's, that faction was going to get ruined. The, you know, you weren't going to have seven guys getting propelled to the top. You were going to have maybe one or two, which you did eventually get. They could so, have easily made it all the way to WrestleMania because that's not even a full calendar year for WWE. And mm-hmm. for that, for a stable that big, you know, it covers all four big pay-per-views by that point. And it would have been enough storyline to fit in, but not overly saturate it. Mm-hmm. And by that point, then the Nexus could have gone their separate ways. But having that fortified unit going all the way just to be ruined after one big pay-per-view it's beggar's belief and Cena was the only person who was involved in it and at that note somebody else's turn to join the chamber good points here guys so far so joining the side of David Hockney arguing that John Cena did ruin the Nexus is David Campbell help me out here go David, five minutes for the thing that Ryan, Ryan say, he's channeling the spirit of Alan Lucas and he's wanting to use his own personal fact here. he's seen an alternative future where the Nexus wouldn't have worked out anyway. How do you know that, Ryan? And I find the key point here about the Nexus is that they were never given a chance. It's what Dave was talking about. They had an electric debut and that fire was burning, but then Vince McMahon and John Cena specifically as his conduit to a dump truck of water and threw a flute right on that flame, man. Because like, you look at it, you're saying, oh, all these guys aren't stars. All these guys would have went nowhere. But the fact of the matter is, Ryan, that all these guys had all the tools to go somewhere. They had the build. You had Justin Gabriel, a high flyer, a very talented athlete. You had David Otunga with the look and the celebrity connection and the ability to talk, who could have been a great poster boy for McMahon's company. You had these people with the tools to go where they were. And John Cena, specifically as Dave said was the reason that it didn't work out and because backstage John Cena did have the influence to do something and that's one of the things you said Ryan was that it wasn't John Cena's place it wasn't John Cena's fault but it was if John Cena had went to Vince McMahon and the powers that be and said this is the wrong decision like he knew it was like he knew it was a mistake something would have been done about it and the Nexus would have went on longer which is what they needed the chance to go on longer and the chance to prove something not to get beaten a big first big pay-per-view look at a man like Dave Batista. James Gunn gets fired from Guardians of the Galaxy the easy thing to do the company man thing to do would be to get in line and say Disney I'll do Guardians 3 no he said he was going to quit and that made a difference John Cena could have been that same difference alright when you're a leader of a company when you're at the top of the company you can't just think about yourself you need to be that locker room leader you need to think about what's best for the company as a whole you look at them at t-shirts right that the NWO sold back in the 90s alright a cool design think about the Nexus t-shirts we could still be seeing today if the WWE had established the Nexus as a brand because it ain't even about the individual members it's about that collective it's about the group and it's about the ability to, uh, to brand a group no like but it is, again, it is about the individual members because you can't just have you can't just chuck in random guys into a faction and go up if we do something cool with them they're going to go to the top no the Shields you did that 
Yeah, and the guys who, from the Nexus, had, the guys from the Nexus, all had a common origin story and a common goal. So that sense of unity was could be argued in a number of aspects. Exactly, yeah, and but, I would argue the Shield was less united. But as David a Campbell trio. just pointed out there uh, something I noted. Two guys he pointed out that could have got a push that could have went to the top. Justin Gabriel, David Otunga. Mm-hmm. Justin Gabriel was there for a long time after that and done absolutely nothing yes, David Otunga is still kicking about just now because he was remembered now. in the fans minds as the guy who was part of the failed Nexus yeah, but you're talking about skill we always talk about wrestlers that have got skill getting over you know Justin Gabriel had the skill there Justin Gabriel might have been absolutely mince as a character it doesn't you can't just you can't just say that somebody's going to go to the top or had the, the skills to go to the top but then when they get put out yourself he never done it but you if can't he had, say if he had the skills to the top when their momentum was killed from the off no no the fans minds the fans mentality is oh this guy's a loser no no what I'm saying is, do you know who still looks Stephen when, when was this you, when did this match take place 2010 right, do you so know who's still with the company aside from Dino Bryan Heath Slater yeah. And he's the middleman of the Nexus. Somebody, you know, not the best, not the worst. He's still there. So, and you could apply the same logic to Justin Gabriel. He could still be there. So, so, so you're telling me Heath Slater has stayed as the middleman since 2010, but it, up until now. But, but that maintains consistency. Yeah, you know, he he's never going to be a top guy, but he's always... Track here because you're arguing the merits of the Nexus. Let's argue. Get back in my point about the merits of John Cena not doing anything and how it's not John Cena's fault. Edge... And Chris Jericho, two top guys, mm-hmm. were willing to put it on the line for the company. But John Cena was the guy who ultimately was the turning one point minute, in that guys, decision. So yeah. why is it not John Cena's fault? And who else had created a decision like John Cena back in that time? But the, th- the point I made about it being John Cena's fault, and I never disagree with any of the points Dave made about the guys in the Nexus, because I, I do think the Nexus were a, were a good team. I just think blaming John Cena for their demise is absolute nonsense I, that's not John Cena's fault John Cena you know John Cena being in a faction or sorry John Cena being in a storyline with them guys is enough to propel them give them the tools no it's not no it is no it's not because it is because it, no but done yeah. Kali finished but every look, person who John Cena has been in a storyline with has not benefited from it as Baron Corbin whose career was derailed for a good year because of a failed money in the bank cash in and a loss at SummerSlam in like two minutes you know what I mean that's utter nonsense alright right, right. Is someone else coming in? <laughs> 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 it's five seconds. Good, because I had something else to say, so whoever that is is going to have to wait. Ryan's going to have to wait, because someone else is joining the chamber. <laughs> joining, joining the sides of Ryan Gallagher as he's fell, Ryan. As Ryan Wilson. Ryan, five minutes, go. I'm so intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear as a guest. Don't let me down. Shouting, I'm swearing, there's red faces. Don't let me down, mate. I just want to say, for a start, I'm very happy to be here. I'm expected to eat coffee. Get to the point, you mate. See, this is starting already. I'm saying it's going to be coffee kings in this chamber and, like, replace the last minute. Unwanted drivel, you're on. Oh, God, I'm trying to. Here comes Alan. So, like, you're telling me that John Cena, for a match that happened, a tag team match that happened nearly 10 years ago, is to blame for all of this. Like, I know he probably should have done more in the back but if Edge and Jericho are as influential as they say why didn't they do more you know, they say it 10 years later in a podcast or oh, you know Cena shouldn't have done that well, fucking step up and say something they did say it they said to him before did, did they really though did they I mean we get yes. this it's been reported from multiple sources that they both went up to them and said this was a mistake 
And it was just a note. Just I don't know. Maybe, maybe because it does more Because back. creative only ever listened to Cena. I don't and believe for a second that creative listened to one guy on that roster. He was the only Cena. star they had for years. They've got the only Jericho star they had for years. Jericho was a bigger star before Cena was even nah, wrestling. They were in terms of Jericho was on and, and off at the time as well. In terms of draws, they were nowhere near the level of star <laughs> that John Cena is and to say otherwise is, is exactly so next is
the folklores of wrestling All history. All agreed to fall for the next. If it's yeah, the Undertaker, can I agree? Cut you off there. Can I have to cut you off there? Someone else is joining this debate. So joining the debating chamber with David and David <laughs> is Ross. Ross, I, I had a lot of arguments for the other side. But yes, you're top. Give me. Squirm your way out of this one. Come on, Ross. Come on, Ross. Help us out here. We talk about how creative didn't listen to just one person. Yes, they did. Because if if Edge and Chris Jericho are coming out saying, this is what we said, they're trusted names in wrestling. They don't want to burn bridges. Edge at the time when he did that podcast was recently retired and had just gotten a network show approved. He needed the WWE gravy train. Chris Jericho... AEW wasn't about at the time. He couldn't piss off WWE. So why would they piss off WWE by pissing on the poster boy? And then, as David said earlier, how many people beforehand to a loss for John Cena suffered from it? Umaga, the up and coming, it was Hulk Hogan S push. How many 80s villains do you remember? Like the Barbarian or the Warlord being big guys, King Kong Bundy. Sergeant Slaughter? Sir, no, you remember him, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> These guys fell at his feet, and guys like the Monster of the Month, Umaga, the Great Kali, and more fell at John Cena's feet. Why Can was I a fucking rubber shaker? Don't blame John Cena. Don't blame John Cena because Jackson Gable can do some flips. That's the point. <laughs> Only when John Cena got involved that the Nexus started to go downhill. The Nexus, from their debut up until they were buried by Super Cena at SummerSlam, were a viable future commodity for the WWE. They were money. And the fact of the matter is, if John Cena was not involved in the situation, if John Cena had acted differently in this situation and not been so selfish, which is something we're easy to label a Hulk Hogan. In fact, if this was a Hulk Hogan argument, you wouldn't have anything to say against it. because he's racist, mate. John Cena's not racist. <laughs> 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 Hogan had the same influence. Cena is a top guy. The same way that Hulk Hogan was, so he has that influence. And to argue otherwise is a moot point. As, what did Cena do? Right, apart no. from the SummerSlam match, what did they really do? One promo where they called him the Wendy guy, right, whatever. What did they really do to bury them? Apart from the state SummerSlam match, right, like, he put Wendy Barrett under 23 chairs. I think that's a pretty metaphorical a, definition of burying. That was a work. That was a real chair. <laughs> but, like, well, I mean, it's like, it doesn't matter. So what? Like, Wade Barrett, if Wade Barrett was really good enough, he would have bounced back for that. Like Baron Corbin's doing now. Yeah, but like you said, he was literally buried. And you're arguing individuals, we are arguing the Nexus. And after he was buried by those chairs, he moved on to the core. But the same point that Ryan made, you're saying we're not talking about about Wade Barrett, we're talking about all of them. If you're if you're saying that these guys had, if you're saying these guys had the skills to go to the top, the Nexus could have bounced back. I'd say that brand in the collective had the skills to go to the top, but if you're not getting behind this as a serious threat anymore, then there's no way that the audience can get behind it. Just go back to the t-shirts for a minute as well. Nobody was individually labelled or had their own sort of branding when it came to the Nexus logo. They all had the letter N in the yellow square, and they all had, you're either Nexus or against this, with the armbands. Now, all their merch was identical. Nobody stood out. It was a brand collective (laughs) thing as a whole. So it's... As well as branding as well, we talked about NWO, Bullet Club, Look how many people benefited from being in that stable. We're not obviously user arguing the individuals. We're not saying that after people couldn't have done a Kenny Omega, a Finn Balor, an AJ Styles gone elsewhere. But these things revitalised people. It could have became other than just rookies. It could have been when CM Punk joined. It could have been yeah, but it could have been better at this point. The thing was desolated. Like Wade Barrett was off TV. The other guys didn't show up. Like it was only when Punk came back to start his feud with Cena. 
then the Nexus came back, and by this point they were that diluted down that no, no one, one cared. cared about exactly. the Nexus. Exactly. Nobody because cared. What John, John Cena did. John Cena could have said to the powers that be, I am not beating the final two members of the Nexus two in a row one minute. and bidding them in the main event of SummerSlam. The key point of the matter is John Cena is a locker room leader and could have acted differently and the actions of John Cena killed the Nexus as a brand and you two have not done anything so far to show us that that is otherwise. <laughs> For what brand? What are you talking about? I cut a t-shirt the Nexus brand. brand. Yeah. yeah, but that was oh, the NWO. Don't tell me you. Was a couple do of not sit there and say that back in the day you wanted an NWO shirt. Oh, Kevin Nash is no like absolute talented wrestler. But he was over, that's what I meant. How much would you be craving a Bullet Club or Undisputed Era t-shirt? Given the dominance of the stable. Not if Otonga was in it. Right. Oh, that was well, 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 you're joining the side of Ryan and Ryan. Alright, here we go. <coughs> so, we look at the Nexus. We talked about their debut, oh how great it was. They had their legs cut for them from the beginning. Because what's one of the most memorable points of that debut? Daniel Bryan choking Justin Rothbard's tie. Next week, Nexus come out. Where the fuck is Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan got fired because they went too far. These Nexus could have been this great alternative to the PG Too Safe product they were putting out at the time. And Bullet Club died a death when Finn Ballard left, didn't it? <laughs> Ooh, can, NWO died it. Did Undisputed Era die? It's ours when Bobby Fish get injured. This is my five minutes. Thank you. No, it's not. No, it's not. not You've joined the debate, sir. So. I'm doing my points. No, no, it's fine. You're right, 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 here at 44. Right, points here. You look at the thing, people don't care because these guys were in a reality show playing live action rock and sock and robots one week. The next week, they're in there with John Cena. Talk about the Bill Club. AJ Styles was AJ Styles. The Young Bucks were Generation Me before. They had matches in Ring of Honor and TNA. People knew who they were. People in Japan who watched New Japan knew and who King Omega was. Did, and did fake, was. did fake Kane look gallows? Was he over? Was unknown Carl Anderson? Was he over? No, Japan it was. It was the affiliation with the likes of the the Bullet Club. It's exactly. stables can either make you or reinvent you. Hulk Hogan was much like modern day reviled by yeah. by many fans the red and yellow it was dead and buried people hated it yeah, but and as soon as he changed it it's the best selling t-shirt in history yeah. WWE because they won the Monday Night Wars will try to turn it and go actually it's Austin 316 no 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 NWO is the highest selling t-shirt in Three wrestling the- history and once again you go back to the shield two to three years later they did not lose a six man tag match for roughly about a year Mm-hmm. Those yep. guys were undefeated. They were made to look strong. And that is why whenever the Shield comes back, Ambrose, Rollins and Reigns could have done whatever they did individually. But when the Shield as a brand came back, that is what was a big deal. The Nexus could have been the exact same thing. So I agree Seth Rollins was alright before. The no, Shield was you know. No, but I, do, I agree. I actually agree with what you're saying that the brand they should have took more time than the brand. But what I don't understand is why this is all John Cena's fault. Mm-hmm. The Nexus was ruined, but it's by booking, by Vince, and by whoever made these decisions. It's not all John Cena. 
That's a massive match fair enough. Cena should have spoke up. Okay, he done That yeah. is, he is not the only reason that they. But that is the turning point. We're not mm-hmm. saying that John Cena is the only reason. We are saying he's the key reason. No, we, we, we'd argue that John Cena ruined the reason. John Cena, the John Cena, the man and character, did not ruin the Nexus. If John Cena was not there, the Nexus would have been able to thrive. We talk about the end of we talk about all those t-shirts we sold. Aye, they were doing very well. Where is WCW now? WCW is gone because the NWO went on for far, far too long. They diluted it. They ruined a good thing. NWO didn't kill WCW. Creative control and overbooked contracts and a TV contract being cancelled from under them killed WCW. Look at the... The up with someone, Scott. Yeah, and we're not talking... We're talking that SummerSlam was a turning point. Yeah, see the next month. They were in a... Wade Barrett's WWE title match in a six-pack challenge. The month after, Wade Barrett does beat John Cena. But then... John Cena in the one night, yet again, he, he took out two members of Nexus at SummerSlam. At TLC 2010, he takes out the entire team of the Nexus. And the worst thing about it was, it was not even shown on camera. You went backstage, the camera was down, three of the guys were down, the fourth guy gets hit with the chair, and then you see the you can't see me uh, hand gesture to the camera that's on the floor. And it does not even warrant this electric team that get the best debut of that time period did not warrant being shown on TV being dismantled. It wasn't this big, oh my god, the shield have been beat, oh my god, the shield have been impl- look how how memorable the shield implode. How memorable is the shield imploding? Yeah. How over as a heel Seize did Seth me. Rollins to get? How Tell me. How big of a face was Dean Ambrose for that? Hallelujah! <laughs> how, how big of a big dog did Roman Shut up, I'm talking! <laughs> I'm speaking! You're ruining your team's point. And you talk about the guys like Michael Tarver and David Otunga might not have made it. Well, hold on a minute. Seth Rollins, people seem to forget, was the afterthought because you had Dean Ambrose, who was the leader of the Shield as the US champion, and you had Roman Reigns as the company's guy as soon as he hit that chair shot he was the biggest heel in this company Michael Tarver could have got that push David Otunga could have got that push they wouldn't have put on the same quality matches that's not what we're arguing we're arguing about the death of a brand and with John Cena the buck has to stop with someone John Cena proved in that moment that he may be a top guy but he was not a locker room leader so let's don't imagine a scenario say that it works out well and the Nexus beat John Cena they beat Team WWE at SummerSlam what happens next? We'll never find out! The time is not find out because that is the end of the first half debate! You've left us in a cliffhanger, right? (laughs) Tell you what happened, I'll tell you it's fucking nothing because they're all shite. (laughs) Guys, well that's tense. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I need a flag in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, well, well, here's your next program with Triple H. (laughs) Triple H pulls out a shovel, ah, yes. Is that quite civil than Cavalcan? Whoa! He's sprouting absolute nonsense. Nice. Just because he speaks like a Tory doesn't mean it's good political. Oh, 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 oh. I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I had like numerous notes to Johnny Ryan's team. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said my name, and I was like, well, I'm just going to have to talk to Arthur. <laughs> I've seen your face go. <laughs> and see when it happened, I went, don't do that. If you're on, if you're on the 14, don't do that. And I just went, a oh, shit. <laughs> quite, quite what was your fault? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually have a point. Uh, David, um, you mentioned uh, about John Cena, his involvement in the Nexus started around about summers. What did you mention about his involvement with the Nexus that started at the beginning? That started the beginning. I, I was waiting to think that actually John Cena was in that early angle. He doesn't even know his facts. That was the main thing that came up to me. He's in here waffling. Nonsense. See, 
They didn't pull it up. Eating some Mary Berry cake. They didn't pull it up. That's that's a point. They didn't pull it up. They didn't pull me up. So we didn't need to pull up. I don't think it comes on the other side. Plus, the main fact of his argument was the most memorable moment of that, which it was, was the tie choking thing. That was Scott said that. I said that before. before it. He said it before it, and he said I it. I said it earlier on. He piggybacked off his so if you look at the tie choking... Scumbag! If you're, if, you're, if you're looking purely at the tie choking thing, Cena was... The big part of that was they came out in the tag Cena, and the tie choking came after If that's not been missed, then I think... But they did miss that. Yeah, they didn't miss it, but they're not adjudicated. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't need to pick up on that. Because that's a fair point, because you did a lot of your argument based on that fact that Summers... No, we don't. No, we, we didn't. We're talking about we're based on the brand. Nexus we're based brand died as well. Summerslam, not Cena was not. Yeah, but there was a key aspect of that. Are there fielding your Nexus as forward against Steven? No, you you were talking. You made a deal of talk. The logic is off here. Were we right? That was not the core of our argument. No, 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 no. But it was a key aspect of that. A point you made during that was that they done really well until Cena came along. They got somewhere. The point that I made yeah. was that Cena put them. They were doing well. No, that that's the thing. They were doing well until SummerSlam. One, 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 one thing I will make yeah. is there was very, very great arguments across the floor. Mm. They all did very well. But if it's going to be my pick, I mean, I'm swaying it on that fact. I'm going to have to give it to the Ryan Ryan and Scott here. Yes! There's Ross from the skills of Chris. That's nonsense! That is 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 nonsense! I, for one, agree with authority. Now, before we go to a break, we have four fits on the table for David, David, and. No, no, shush! We have to do this now. Ryan, Ryan, Scott, you have to pick four fits for the guys. We have the choice of the ginger tea. David Campbell's getting thumbtacks in the mouth. The ginger tea shots, the cinnamon. Or the eat the limes, guys. What are you picking? What did they do with the salmon? Uh, the salmon challenge. If they snort it. No, no, no. Cinnamon into a shot glass. No, it's, it's the ginger into the shot glass. I saw. What? No. No, you don't shot glass. The ginger he goes in the shot glass. The cinnamon's on the spoon. The cinnamon is on the spoon. Same idea, isn't it? They put it in our mouth. Aye. I'm not a spoon burner. I will not be partaking in that challenge. I go cinnamon. Aye, okay. Cinnamon. Cinnamon challenge, guys. Quickly. Use your toothpicks. Mine just finished. Give me it in case. There's water outside. I don't. I want water now. Give me. I'll buy you a can at the break. Just start recording. Is that it? Yeah, we just go wherever. No, no. You need to get back up and wait. So guys, that has been the first half of our debating chamber show. During the second half, we're going to do our second topic. Uh, during the break, we're going to be doing WWE's version of Elimination Chamber debate with Chris Jericho and all the other competitors in the 2012 Elimination Chamber. But first, guys, Cinnamon Challenge. Away. We were screwed, guys. Fuck Stephen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you no fucking satisfaction. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> Not pleasant at all. Are you saying it's disgusting? That's all satisfaction we need. <laughs> we'll be back in five minutes. We'll see you about. Wrestling has more than one royal family. Hey guys, this is Brandy Rhodes, and you are listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I guess that uh, brings us to Mr. Jericho. You have the floor for 45 seconds.
It's obvious that I'm surrounded by neophytes in this ring, surrounded by neophytes in this entire arena. But all of you need to quiet down because the true best in the world at everything I do is about to enunciate. You want facts? Here's a fact. There isn't a human being who's been in more Elimination Chamber matches on this planet than me. There isn't a human being that's eliminated more superstars in the chamber than me. The last time I was in a chamber match, I walked out the world heavyweight champion. I mean, seriously, let's be honest here. My list of accomplishments in my career outweighs the list of accomplishments of you five wannabes incorporated completely. I am here, all five of you are here. And that brings me to you, punk. Look at me when I'm talking to you, boy. All right, punk, you might as well give me that world title right now because your master has come to reclaim what is his. Do you understand what I am saying to you right now? Yo, it's your boy, Should D, out here swag surfing in Scotland. And when I'm doing my thing, I like to think I do it in this order. It's eat, sleep suplex retweet let me run that back for you it's eat sleep suplex retweet remember the order listen to the show now you know it's shook d for the 99 2000 ladies and gentlemen welcome to eat sleep suplex retweet Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplexery Tweet. I'm Stephen Wilson and I'm joined by two Ryans, two Davids, two McLeods and Kwaku. Kwaku and Appeal Tree. And this is the second half of our debating chamber show. If you listened to the first half, my god what treat you just had. <laughs> second half, exactly the same, only different topics and the order of entrance will be slightly different. Guys, are you ready for topic number two? David, isn't it? Topic number two is... I don't believe he's put up a five there. I know. Right, so starting starting off the debate for this one, I think it's only fair that the debate will be started by the two who finished off the last one. So, <laughs> arguing that the Attitude Era produced terrible matches, Scott McLeod. Arguing against the Attitude Era producing terrible matches, Ross McLeod. Quickly, for all those not familiar with the Attitude Era, like Dave, um, the Attitude Era is well received by many as the most successful era of professional wrestling that helped decide the Monday Night Wars for WWF. However, 20 years on, to a lot of people, they realise that there wasn't really anything concrete in terms of good actual wrestling matches in the actual era. It was just a lot of storytelling, kind of chucked together in promos, and we only had like 
maybe about two minute matches for most of the show. Some people say that, other, other people thought, no, it was the greatest era of wrestling, it saved the whole company. If it wasn't for that, we probably might not have wrestling today. So, two sides of the argument on that particular one then. The Attitude Era produced terrible matches. So guys, again, Ross, Scott, you've got eight minutes to kick off the debate, starting from now. Well, I've been watching quite a bit of the Attitude Era recently for other, th other projects. And I've watched, I'd watch a lot of the matches on the weekly TV. And particularly on the weekly TV, that's evident. The matches barely last more than two minutes if you're lucky, and you rarely get more than more than a run-in or a DQ finish. That's constant. You're lucky if you get one match that has a clean finish. And like the whole thing about this is, I know wrestling is also a bit character and storytelling and all that, but we forget it's by then it's what's called the WWF, the second W stands for wrestling and that whole thing eventually the bell has to ring you can present great characters all you want you can put them in this long storyline for months and months eventually they have to be in a match and if the match isn't of good quality the storyline will suffer and like all constantly they were building up to pay-per-views all these, these storylines building up to pay-per-views and then when you get the matches there even though the matches like last slightly longer than they were on tv the matches even then would suffer they would not have be that long and they would be DQs because they're leading on to TV when it should be TV that leads to pay-per-views they were t building the pay-per-views to then build the TV again mm -hmm. so the whole thing is why they have pay-per-views why charge people more money to come and purchase these pay-per-views if you're only going to say I would then tune into the free show tomorrow night well you talked about storylines and characters there and it's all well and good enough saying I'm watching this to research this but you've also missed out on a lot of the storylines beforehand because you need to pick a start date. You miss everything else before that. How many Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa currently, example. What a great storyline that was. Still great matches when you watch them, but if you don't have the storyline, it's your standard Extreme Rules match that you can see anywhere in any Extreme company such as TNT or ICW. So, storylines don't account for that much. And also when we're talking about the improvement in wrestling standards as everyone tries to claim it is today. Well, how many five-star matches have WWE had in the Ruthless Aggression era? How many five-star matches did they have in the PG era? How many five-star matches? And all, that's not be-all and end-all, but how many five-star matches have they had in the recent era on the main roster? How many times have we watched a pay-per-view and went, in this era, on this era when it's meant to be more athletic people who produce better matches, going, that was terrible. That was truly terrible. And yet, Time and time again, and the attitude era, yes, we saw two minute squash matches with the likes of Draws versus D'Lo Brown and Val Venus interferes, you know, because Val Venus and D'Lo went after the same woman. That was the undercard. <laughs> <laughs> and you're forgetting as well that, one, the matches were well received at the time, because you can't hold standards of yesterday up to standards of today. Because then there's a lot of films, as the film critic goes oh, over there. <laughs> there are certain films from the 70s and 80s with racist or sectarian or sexist <laughs> moments <laughs> in them that would not hold up today. But at the time, it was allowed because societal views and social norms at the time were different. So you're basing today's standard of wrestling on yesterday's product. So it wasn't terrible matches at the time. And we're talking about terrible matches. They went. 
you know, we had this, you had this thing where you talk about today being repetitive, you do the same old throwing. Well, you can watch any Raw, any SmackDown from back in the Attitude Era, you get the same formula. Someone comes out, they have a two minute match, minute match. somebody either runs in or somebody gets shoved as a ref, DQ, run in, rinse, repeat, move on. And also, they devalued a lot of the titles at times these matches because they build up title matches or randomly they say, oh, so and so's defending their title on tonight's show. The match would go about, what, six minutes? And then that would probably end in a dodgy finish as well. So, like, what's the point in hyping up all these title matches when really the result of it is going to devalue your championship? Well, six minutes. Sheamus won a world title in 18 seconds. Did it devalue the world title? when Big Show won it after such a big storyline about how he's not done it he's the giant but he's not won the big one in a while did it make Christian's 20 year struggle from the previous year any less because Jack Swagger had won it the year before him no and we talk about two minute matches money in the bank the cash in the the titles change in less than 30 seconds due to these money in the bank cash ins and it doesn't devalue the championship it's a current concept for the current era. That was a concept for that era. You're, we're basing yesterday's matches on today's New Japan five-star 40 Canadian destroyers and a super kick party for everyone <laughs> on Mankind vs The Undertaker. Well, how many New Japan matches in 20 years are we going to be talking about compared to what we're talking about just now, Mankind and The Undertaker? Oh, we're still going. He's still going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tap out. <laughs> Send in the clowns. Oh, let's go. I thought, I thought someone else was coming. Oh, let's go. Oh, let's go. Um, three minutes. I'm fucking bad four attitude in the matches by now. I know. 44, 44, 44, 44. Shut the fuck up. Like you said, like, the whole thing is that eventually the bell has to ring. And like, I know it's okay, you talk about how this saved wrestling, this was a peak era wrestling. We had a peak era wrestling a few decades before that in the Hogan era. Even then we had proper matches, we had proper technologies. Like you look at Randy Savage v Ricky Steamboat, that didn't get five star. That was a proper match in what is called the peak era wrestling. And... Well, you Sorry. No, you. You talk about a, pro- a proper match, that's a pro- What is a proper match? It's wrestling, it's scripted, it's subjective. We have... Comedy promotions, we have serious yeah, wrestling promotions, we have hardcore promotions. What makes Sugar Duncanton versus Gene Money in a Lumberjack zombie match the right wrestling compared to good housekeeping against Liam Thompson against Wolfgang? What makes Kenny Omega, Kushida Okada in a 60 minute 2 out of 3 fall epic? Proper wrestling, but a mixed tag match for the Universal and Raw Women's title with both on the line and so much stakes on the line. What, what makes one of them proper wrestling? What does What is proper wrestling? You've not defined that. We're not talking about proper wrestling, we're talking about good and bad match types. And for the standard of the day, for the performer of the day, the performer wasn't the 205 Live, sleek, 450 Splash style wrestler as it is today. The performer of the day was The Rock, a big, hulking, six foot four, Hollywood prototype looking guy. The standard of the, ga- the day was your favourite wrestler Kane, a seven foot monster, going against the monsters of the week as such as Big Show, Undertaker, <coughs> Gary Kellen's favourite wrestler, Viscera. That was wrestler. So and Viscera, you know I'm not gonna continue the Viscera point, but you know that's the thing. That was wrestling then. Is that proper wrestling? You know, wrestling changes throughout the decades at the time. You're talking about proper wrestling. This was proper wrestling. And then the hindrance that you do with these title matches, like 
when we go a few minutes before there's a running or a DQ finish or all like that, you do this repetitively, you're starting to hint, condition your audience to have a short attention span to the point where you do have a good enough storyline that you want to take a match where you can build it and the match can go at least 20 or so minutes. The crowd aren't going to pay attention because they condition to for matches only to last a few minutes and they're sitting here, they're going to be like, is this match still going? They're just waiting for the bit at the end where Austin stunners somebody. They don't care about the bit building up to it. They're waiting for the bit at the end where Austin feels severe because that's all they'd be conditioned to pay attention to. That's what they get to pop for. And on that note, it's time to bring in another member to the chamber. Joining Scott and arguing that the attitude there of matches were terrible is Ryan Wilson. <sighs> Ryan, you've got five minutes, you're in, go. Okay, before I start, can I get the exact word on the, on the topic? Just the exact. The attitude there are just terrible matches. Okay, that is true. I do admit that I did, you know, that's when I grew up, as we all know, at similar ages, grew up during that era. That is the era that I loved growing up, but not because of the matches, it's because of the characters, the storylines, the promos, Steve Austin drinking beer and, you know, tits, let's face it. Uh, <laughs> that was all great, but see the belt to bell action? Shit, do you like was fine that it wasn't good? Because that wasn't the focus. The focus was on the stars, on the t-shirts, on the posters, on all the fans, every single match whether it was the start of the show or the end of the show was great in a way that the crowd were in it but the actual wrestling itself, and that's the word in the question, wasn't very good and it didn't have to be because it was over but like if you go back because I, I went back kind of recently on the network and watched you know, Unforgiven 98 or something like that mm. and I'm like Val Venus versus Godfather Skip one of the headbangers versus Hardcore Hall and Crash Hall Skip like I'm not going to watch those matches because like looking back at they're no good matches and that was the question and the quality matches were not good some of them but like hmm. the majority, not really. Yeah, but, but the product was great. You're using that argument, looking back, looking back, looking back, looking back. You can look back at it, looking back at that. Yes, and we're looking back at it, and we're looking back at it with the standard of today. You're looking back at it in an era where five star matches have been churned out regularly. You're looking back at it when you're in an era where in Scottish and British wrestling there is shows. There's three shows a weekend at least. There is so much wrestling out there that you can go, well actually I found my niche, I know what I like, this is what I like. At the time, <coughs> WCW and WWE, because we didn't get ECW over here in the UK, was the standard. That was wrestling, as Scott keeps saying, proper wrestling. And the standard of the match quality now might be bad, but then it wasn't. It's, you can never be objective in this subject because you have to look back with today's standards. Scott talked about being conditioned. Well, you're conditioned to like a certain type of match now because you've chosen your own time. And you can't look back on yesterday's, that's the argument I mean, you can't look back on yesterday's matches with today's standards. I see what you're and saying, but where, where's your comparison? Are we just looking at them as matches and you know, how we felt back then when we were kids watching them? Because I don't remember like, if I liked them or not. Well, that's the thing though, you didn't have a type of it, but you enjoyed it because you tuned in and watched yeah, it. But also, I was a kid, so I had no other basic commands. I'd never watched any other wrestling, I hadn't seen Japan, or I hadn't seen no anything. Whereas now, only you, now you have, and yeah. now you look back, you look at it with the views of attending an ICW show, of yeah. attending a WWE show currently, of watching WWE currently, of watching, I don't know if you're watching New Japan, I'm sorry if I've threw this on you. No, I've said of it. No, yeah, but I know. But I'm you, you know that type of style. You know the type of style of AEW that's came out. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all these different styles that you now know that maybe looking back you think, oh well, if you watch a match and go, that reminded me of this Fatal 4 Wayfair Unforgiven 2000. 
and then you go back and watch Fatal Four and go, actually, that isn't in that style. But that the fact that that resonated with you that years later when you watch something you go, oh that reminded me of that. Even if you look back and go, oh actually it wasn't as good as I thought. It still resonates with you. Put this way, say if I, I go, again I suppose I'm looking back but I have to because it's in the past that's happened. Um, I look at one of my favourite matches all the time. I don't think any of them happened during that there. I don't think. Anyway, maybe WrestleMania 17, Rock Nelson. That's, that's the only match I can think of that's a five star match. Well, they, you, you go back and you look at the, the people involved, look at a lot of the characters. Like, you watch them, you always say, look at coming out, we're going to have Godfather v Valvinus, for example. Mm-hmm. Look at them, like, I can tell you about them as characters, the people pop when they come out and they say they're sick and they make their entrances. I couldn't tell you much about them when as wrestlers, because, like, you need, you're going to sit there tuning in, you're not going to have two hours or an hour and 90 minutes, so, or an hour and 30 minutes, sorry, of. Austin coming out or tits for the whole show. <laughs> you need stuff in between. Oh, I mean, you might have train to get. You do need stuff. <laughs> you need stuff in between. You need matches for you to look at, and people aren't going to invest in that. People, you talk about people with Cliff resonate with you. What resonates for you are, mo- are the moments, but you can't can you tell me anything about all the matches. People will tell you about, oh, a bit where Man King thrown off the cell. What about the rest of the match? Who was it as a match? Uh, I don't know, but I remember that moment where he got thrown off the cell. You do, but then he mentioned one of his favourite matches actually being in the Attitude Era at Rock Austin. You can watch that back and it still holds up. And then you talk, we talked before about knowing about people as characters. Kwaku's favourite, one of his favourite wrestlers is Sugar Duncanton. He also knew about the character of Gene Money. So it invested him in that match, and that match he enjoyed. Sugar Duncanton versus Gene Money. But was it proper wrestling? Was it Canadian Destroyers and Super Kicks for days? No, it wasn't. Nothing. And on that note, uh, it's time now to bring in someone else to the chamber as they all wait anxiously. Joining Ross and debating against the attitude that a match has been trash. It's Sugar Duncanton. <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly, it's Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you're in. Five minutes, go. I'm in. Right. The question is Ryan asked, where the matches shite? <laughs> no, the matches weren't rubbish because they didn't need to be five star matches, they could still be good wrestling matches. You know, they don't need to have, as Ross explains, super kicks and Canadian destroyers for days. They don't need to have that to be a good match. We now look at it and think that, you know, the way wrestling's went in the last kind of five years or so, that's what we take as being a great match if it's got loads of these massive spots in it. Whereas a good match doesn't, you know, not every match has to be world class, which is I think. Where that's the, what I'm saying. But that's what that, I think. That's what the questions getting. That's a bit watchable. Yeah, I kind of go back and watch Bill Buchanan versus Big Boss Man. Oh no! It's kind of. It's over for all the Bill Buchanan marks out there. Really bad, really. All two of those listeners have now turned off. Most the matches that you produce on your TV, you're watching them, but by the time you've fully processed what you're watching, it's suddenly over because somebody's ran in for no reason, and then it's over, and then you're yeah, up to the next it, thing, it, like, what even just happened? Was that even a match? But are you looking back on that, though, as a back-in-the-day match, and going, oh, that was nonsense, that was so embarrassing back in the day? See if that happened now, in a match with two guys that are maybe over just now, if the same thing happened, you would go, oh, that was class, he started, that match started, Sunday ran in, and it was a big free-for-all. The same thing happened back then. And I have every single match, back then, but every single match, but, you know, a lot of the time, you know, Vince Russell was just Vince Russell all over these matches. Vince Russell was in charge of WCW for six months, and he was in charge of the Attitude Era for 
less than a year. So and we he can't was just, a genius. And, as a, and as the man was an absolute genius. And in the attitude era, he would, it was John Cena followed me. It was filtered through Vince McMahon, so we can't just go, oh, that's Vince Russo's influence all over there. And at the same time, Scott talked about in the 80s proper wrestling. Well, in the 80s, Hulk Hogan took on Bobby Heenan's latest family member, be it the Warlord or the Bar- Barbarian. Can I get the words out there? That's cinnamon, choking me. <laughs> be it the Warlord, the Barbarian, whatever it is. <laughs> well, that match would happen. He'd beat the big guy at the pay-per-view. Then Saturday night's main event, the rematch would happen. And oh, look at that, who's this? It's Bobby Heenan's new client. It's Andre the Giant. He's now attacking Hulk Hogan. That happened every match back then. It's simply the fact that with... You remember it, Mel? Do you remember what happened nine weeks ago on Monday Night Raw? Forgot now. Do you remember what happened, Scott, twelve weeks ago on SmackDown Live? Don't say no. Yes. No, you don't. You don't. But you remember the attitude era because the characters and storylines, which you said, oh, you, you can do all these all you want, but the bell needs to ring. I but the characters and storylines resonated with you so much. So a great character can make a great match. Exactly, and that's the thing. It can make it. You know, wrestling doesn't need to have the point we've made five star yes. matches it doesn't need to have five star matches every single time the matches can be good and they can lead towards something which is what they do you look at the, the stars that actually Dara produced you know Rock, Stone Cold these guys they're still the biggest guys that have ever been in the wrestling that doesn't happen just by chance that happens because all these other matches do happen round about it that, that lead up to certain points up to certain storylines made the, the point yourself as well but oh, it was all just like um, all these different characters and kind of big big egos and stuff aye but they can still put on the matches don't need to be world class mm-hmm. they can still be good matches so I think that's the line that we're looking at here they don't need to we're not saying that all the matches in the Attitude Era were outstanding mm-hmm. but they weren't rubbish matches plus before the 2016 brand split I could tell you what was going to happen every week on Smackdown because it was Raw get the big Raw was three hours Raw get the big stuff Smackdown got the leftovers and then in the main event be it Dean Ambrose getting the push be it Roman Reigns getting the push or be it Randy Orton who was against the authority they would lose by DQ and it would roll over onto Raw and you're also talking about and this was currently this is current era you're talking about an era you talk oh you can't process because so much has happened aye because this was when WWE were fighting for survival you had to keep the viewers interested you had to keep them on the screen. I mean, you said earlier, like, I mean, I may have used the word proper wrestling, that may have been like the wrong term, because like, seeing what's proper wrestling is kind of suggested, but what I meant by that is, matches got a decent length, like you said, as I said, you really process what was actually having a story, being able to tell in the match. Oh, but you can say what you, this is what I meant all you want, it's not what you said. I know, but... And you never followed a line of questions, so I called you on it. It felt like, to me, that they were tripping over themselves to get the storyline established and forgetting that there was actually a match with some psychology involved. And, on that note, it's time for someone else to enter the debating chamber. Joining the team of Scott and Ryan Wilson in debating that the actual other matches were terrible, David Hopney! Crap! <laughs> I mean, okay, right, let's go. David, five minutes to go. Right. When you think of the, the quintessential wrestling match, you think about, you know, uh, collegiate style wrestling in the Olympics, right? That's proper map based and technical wrestling, right? 
How much of that actually did happen in the Attitude Era? Well, hold on a minute, you've just once again said when you think of the proper wrestling match. What is proper wrestling? Uh, no one has defined this to me. If you can define proper wrestling... There are different types I'll back of wrestling. Down. Exactly. And, we'll just, <laughs> and we, just, we just said proper wrestling. It's in a current era. You come to ICW shows now. You, there's independent shows all around Scotland and the UK. There's three major promotions at the minute and you've got TNA and Ring of Honor still going there is so much wrestling whereas back then it was WWE and WCW and it wasn't 80s big characters uh, Hulk Hogan say your prayers eat your vitamins and proper southern wrestling no they were now just sports entertainment WWF the second W might have stood for wrestling the third uh, the last initial in WCW might have stood for wrestling but quite frankly we were in an era in the 90s where it was shock value where it was reality TV and you didn't have 20 minute classics and you know what you didn't need them as Ryan said because a character can make the match but, but I will say that by saying like how many of these regular TV matches on say Raw or Smackdown for example how many of them could you name off the top of your head Rock Mankind wonder what one there it was there you go <laughs> Monday Night Raw. Okay, name it. Name ten more. Ten more. Yes. You want me to name ten more? You, you, you really, you really want to waste your debate time? All right, cool. Triple H. Oh, Triple H runs the gauntlet to get into this, uh, the six pack challenge. There's six right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday Night Heat. I don't even need Thursday Night Smackdown. I've got Sunday Night Heat and uh, halftime Heat, which is. Rock v Mankind yet again. You've got Undertaker. How many was under the fuck? Everything yes. was built towards a pay per view at the time, yeah, you know. Because everything on TV was just a chaos. Like everything on weekly TV at the time was just a big chaotic mess. Like there was no structure or you know any sort of organisation whatsoever. So are we talking Attitude Era or 2019 here? Attitude Era. <laughs> <laughs> and is there structure currently? Is the storylines? Where's Mojo Rawley? Well, Mojo Rawley had three weeks of promos. Okay. Mojo Rawley had three weeks of promo looking in the mirror, exciting himself up. And I, he might be injured now, Scott, but there was six weeks in between that before he got injured in the main event. Oh, you said, you're talking about, oh, we don't need 20 minute classic, you're talking about 40 craves, George, because that's the sale of the day or whatever. Yeah. But, like, we don't want, we're not, that's not what I'm asking for every week on TV. I'm asking for just a match that has a decent enough thing that I can, I can like, understand who these two characters are why and why they're wrestling before it's suddenly over and then we're rushing on to the next one because we're trying to get everybody on TV not everybody needs to be on TV but it seemed like on that they're trying to rush everybody on your television every week just because everyone was old just because you're old doesn't mean you need to be on every oh. single week because that's how people get sick of you Dude, and that's, and how long was how long did it take like how long was a, a regular Raw show like two hours or something yeah and this was a stacked roster when WCW superstars were starting to make the transition over you couldn't have everybody on the card but even if you did everything would have to be about literally minutes long like it would be as forgotten about as you know as the next segment would be no i was just going to tell ross to let the boys speak because we've embarrassed them enough so far so I, wanted, I, I know dave had some points to make i just wanted to get out the, the roster was so stacked back then you had you know rock austin taker kane mankind uh whatever it was such a big stacked roster at that time that they couldn't put that many good matches out because as I said before they were falling over themselves trying to put them in segments mm-hmm. or backstage things. so the actual belt to belt going back to the actual question itself the matches themselves weren't very good and the characters were good but the matches like 
I don't remember any good matches. You named a couple, and I'm sure a couple, but like there's thousands of matches back then, and mm-hmm. most of them were forgettable TV. Programs. It was a spot fest. as it is now. Get granted, twenty nineteen is the same. Well, there you go. You've, you've, you've been Mario two thousand nineteen. The question isn't comparing contrasting twenty nineteen. Actually, there. That the question is was actually there. Yeah, but you can only answer is yes. But have we have we done this and? The early 2000s we've done this podcast You would have said something completely different The difference is you've now got something to compare Looking at the current product Looking at the guys that come up just now Who are super talented Where, you know, mid-card matches Can still be outstanding Just now, whereas It's just wasn't, it just wasn't the point You know, they were just at, I don't know Don't Gareth Don't Gareth speaking with you that's not where are you we're talking about quality of the matches were the matches good and a lot of the time they weren't because they weren't getting enough time or they barely had enough time to do anything before they just ended the match because somebody ran in or whatever naked media ran in some for the hardcore division ran there's another thing as well it's like these are characters who could fight you know they weren't wrestlers with characters so that was the other thing and on that note it's time for the final competitor in this debating chamber debate David Campbell you're in welcome in son hi guys it's lovely to see you I'm going to take us right back to the start of this debate <laughs> and one of the opening things that Scott McLeod told us was that he knows it's about more than the in-ring action and that is the crux of my point you've been arguing matches as if it's just the bell to bell a match is more than just that it is about the characters it's about the storylines leading into it it's about the storylines out of it it's about the crowd that's there in attendance it's about the entrances it's about all of it it's about the showmanship and when you take the Attitude Era in context where everyone on the show had a character that wasn't just good professional wrestler all those matches meant something all those matches had importance and therefore the matches themselves couldn't be terrible even if the in-ring action was subpar because the audience was still invested the people at home were still invested and it progressed the story going forward the fact of the matter is is like you're saying about watching the matches back they're not very good but that's like walking into The Last Jedi as your first Star Wars film and being angry that you don't know where the force is so that's not explained to you you can't watch these matches out of context because they're part of an overarching story I don't watch an episode of Coronation Street from 1980s and complain that it's bad TV no because I wasn't there I don't know the story in and out of it and that's what's important wrestling is a soap opera as Debbie Egan told us on Glow okay but what if you were introducing somebody of today who's never watched wrestling in their life and you keep saying to them go watch the Attitude Era if you want some like really good wrestling and then they say to you those matches were rubbish they were just literally just throwing a couple of punches and then it's chair shots and then people are just getting into a mass brawl that's not a that's once, not a wrestling match once again you're taking it out of context and trying to define a wrestling match by the Dave Meltzer school of <laughs> what wrestling should be wrestling is about more than just one match it's a progression of a storyline well, when you look at Olympic style wrestling you know this is proper map based I'm not like, like an Olympic way style way back as far as like, the Olympics podcast of like, right now, David Ockney we're talking about Olympic wrestling wasn't Kurt Angle the Olympic gold medalist in the Attitude Era I, it actually got character yeah, I, I didn't care about Kurt Angle Said in Olympic medalist. Kurt Angle looked out of place because he was the actual he decent wrestler. He didn't look out of place. He didn't look out of place. He was the perfect. Well, he was out of place. He was the perfect nerdy heel because he hated everything it stood for. I, so when someone like The Rock, who was brash and arrogant and basically nineties car crash TV, 
he, he stood out. You only exactly. did a Yuranagi and an elbow drop. I mean, do you call that a wrestling match? We do call it a wrestling match, Dave. We do. We do. We just said his one of his favourite matches was Rock Austin. Let's look because at the Rock is still one the match. biggest star currently. You go back and watch a six-man tag, Dave. Each of these guys had one move, and that was it. Okay, there was nothing All else right, in between. The WWE Championship six-man tag. Ross McClure's favourite match of all Rock time. Rock and Yuranagi, the elbow drop. The Hardy Boys just the slips. No, Scott, Dave, that is a wooden one. Scott and Ryan, you're Look free to help out David. So it's gone. Hey, I'll carry this game if I have to. Let's name and move, Dave. Look at the, the storytelling and all that. Let's just say you tune in to Raw. Ah, you watch the next week and then you watch it. Let's go week and you see, okay, this person's feeling that person. When they finally have a match and you watch it and you're thinking, that was a subpar match. You're like, oh, why have I just wasted the last few weeks investing in this storyline at the actual payoff? Which is going to be day two getting in the ring isn't up to No far. one thought that, Scott, because by and large, every Attitude Era pay per view match progressed the story and didn't leave people disappointed. It left them wanting more. Yes. And that is what this beautiful about the Attitude Era we, is. We, 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 you see Dilo Brown v Mark Henry, and after that match, I think yes, I want to see more of these two. More people are watching back matches. then than they are right now. So, I like, would rather see Stone Cold beat up Mr. McMahon just by literally stomping him and then stunning him. That's yeah. not right. And that's that's you slag that. That's but millions of viewers tuned in from that team. No one is watching wrestling now. We didn't make money. Yeah, Actually, I made wrestling cool because the matches were really good. Because they were so Right, right. And we just talked. You talked about wrestlers of one move. Wrestlers of one moves. Braun Strowman has a power slam, and he's still over his hell. He has a big boot, a splash, and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, oh, oh my god! Oh my god! A big boot and a splash. It doesn't matter. Didn't, didn't the Undertaker have that? Wasn't the Undertaker in the Attitude Era? Undertaker has old school. He has. Dave, why are you doing the matches? It's not helping anyone. What we need to know about the Attitude Era is this: that it wasn't the same level of athleticism we see today. That does not make them terrible matches because the storylines and characters were a lot stronger. Gentlemen, it's been an honour debating with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Again, some very good points in there, I guess. I'm allowed to put some loud ones as well. I need my bed. Need a drink. Yeah, I need a drink now. I think, um, oh, talked in WrestleMania matches about how the opener helped set the tone for the debate and how you, you kind of get a feel of it. McLeod versus McLeod. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Hold on. That was Sorry, Yes, that's my problem. Holy shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think I just hated him or something? Yes, I'm like, you're really hard for my whole life. <laughs> Undertaker versus Kenya, my god, when there was a point when Scott went, is there somebody else now? <laughs> well, oh, that's, like, how you, that's how like you get over. Minutes. Two and one is the signals. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when you when you have that much of a crushing defeat in the first bit, you need some strong anchors. But when your when your third man goes, oh sh- oh, hit, oh crap! <laughs> and seeing fairness to Dave, I did the same when I came, when I came into the next one. I went, oh shite! <laughs> I wrote before David Hockney entered the debate. I wrote on a piece of paper to Stephen, please not me. <laughs> <laughs> they were predetermined. They are on the sheet of paper. Yeah, you can't see that. Here. That's oh. fine. That's fine. No, uh, print, print is not written. You know, make the worst of a. Uh, 
pretty much losing battle. But oh, fuck it. Uh, I, was the, I was the same in the first half. Uh, <laughs> but then, I. When I brought it, uh, Campbell, I anchored him. So was he? <laughs> Ryan Littlers. Yeah, I think Ryan's kind of sealed his fate there. I think that's a solid, I think that's a knockout blow there. For the whoever won for quite no, a while. It was over when you were only, only arguing yeah, wrestling moves. You it was over when it's gone through in the table. That's you, what happened. You ball. kept naming wrestling moves. Guys, guys, it's all banter. It's all banter. You guys are the same team. I'm happy that I had to. For the listeners at home, me and Quack are both unanimously decided that the winners of this debate were the ones who argued that regardless it saved wrestling and brought viewers in of David, Ryan Gallagher and Ross. David Campbell, sorry. So, team the losing team have been given their shots of ginger tea, <laughs> which apparently Quacky tells me is very, very strong. Very strong. Very, very strong. Don't give him aid there. You've just destroyed him. Very it's strong. It was a debate. It wasn't fucking... Very strong ginger tea. It wasn't a debate. <laughs> <laughs> Guys. I have been unjustly screwed in this Sugar, debate here. We went here. down swinging. <laughs> very strong ginger tea. Right, go, boys. Four. Very strong. It's very oh, strong. Oh, God, Lord. Oh, oh, dear. Oh. Made them eat the lines as well. <laughs> I, th I think the lime will be a, a relief. After I did all the hard work to win that debate, I want them to do it. Yeah, Yeah, I think we were losing it. Yeah. That's my fucking just. <laughs> just, just to let you all know, my mum actually made that up for you all. And she took pity on you guys and added one teaspoon of sugar just to make it a little bit better. But still, yeah, it kicks. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the outro shortly. If you want to go run and get a bottle, you can. Jesus. Yes, that was a. That yeah, was my lips are burning. That was a. Let's be fair. They were both two very strong debates. I think they both said. I think there was some very, very good points. I think I preferred the first one. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the joy of the random. I certainly didn't. <laughs> would you imagine how much different this show would have been if I gave you two and you would have known the two you were getting? Yeah. Oh, they'd have been overly prepared. Can yeah. I just make a, a very nice point? Was I the only one to have a clean sweep there? You are. And for that, you have to get a line. So at least you know what it's like. I used to the whole thing and clinch the. Oh my god, yeah. This is the guy that ate the super sweets a couple of weeks ago, man. Oh, honestly, that ginger tea is like. Oh, burns you through it. That might help, to be fair. You want a line? No. We got a line water. So. Before we round off the show, guys, thoughts on this new concept of debating? Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah, great. I demand to be back next time. <laughs> yeah. We need, some, we need some retribution for Give that. Give me medicine. Goldberg! <laughs> I feel de-stressed already. Can I say all mine? Holden, were you in the losing team? I, I, yeah, I feel like I've been conspired against here. Like, I, we clearly won Don't the Nexus debate, you. and, well, obviously the... Well, we did the, win the Nexus debate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I mean did you, did you, did you, you not take a spoonful of cinnamon? I did. So you lost. So <laughs> we are friends right now. Can I just say though, who was giving it the big beans in the chat that he was going to take everybody down? David Campbell. And, and I won Dave, the second that, time. And you won the second time. time. And who said he was going to win them all? You're all da. <laughs> so that has been the debut of our debating Jamie show. <laughs> if you enjoyed, <laughs> you're welcome. If you enjoyed the chaos, please subscribe to us. Or Hopefully you'll want to subscribe to us after that on any good podcasting oh. site we're on and iTunes, Spotify, Android ones. Search for us, you'll find us on it. And please give us a follow on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet, where we have this banter quite regularly. Mm. 
very regular. Let, let us know if you want me back or if I'm just taking oh, away. I'd, I'd welcome you back. Can we get Alan Lucas here? Because if the first debate's rules are effort to go back as soon as he says one thing, he's lost the rules, mate. <laughs> Please. Alan can tell me hello and it'd still be a lie. No, no, no. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> Please join us next week where the topic of our show will be us looking at the upcoming big battle in wrestling. Not the battle between the six in this room. It's the battle between WWE and AEW as the Wednesday Night War starts. But what is proper wrestling scene? Nobody's answered me. Are we still not going to answer to that? No, it's a match. He did a people's elbow. Undertaker did also. See, see, before we finish, I was noting that. <laughs> see, you, see you David talked about Rock has two moves Who was the one that was so strong with a rock going in the Mount Rushmore? <laughs> you, you, you were the one who went I wanted Rock and Austin and I'm like I don't want Austin anymore Such Because he was an electrifying character I never said anything about his match quality <laughs> oh, I'd like to fight my panel tonight Ryan Gallagher You're welcome Ross McLeod Oh you're welcome David Hockney You're welcome Ryan Wilson You're welcome Scott McLeod Alright David Gamble Always finish on top Tell you 16. What is proper wrestling? <laughs> please, if you know what proper wrestling is, this, please get in contact with us Facebook or Twitter. That's the place retweet. We want to know! Thank you very much. The people want to know! It's too good! People have to know! They have to know! They have to know! Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Oh. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now!